1: Welcome into Girls Talk, Boys Talk, brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the official dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. A little scene set here on a Wednesday. We are going to break down the Cowboys' next opponent, Sunday Night Football versus the Indianapolis Colts. We'll have Lara Overton, the team reporter, to help us understand that inexplicable final drive by the Colts and new coach Jeff Saturday, not to mention why Matt Ryan did what he did on that one, uh, but just give you a sense of what we can expect from the matchup. Uh, The one thing we can talk about inexplicable around here is the Cowboys have a penalty problem. Jess, we've given you a little bit of a hard time on here when (laughs) when you've brought it up at times. I think it's because it's almost felt like, yeah, they've got a penalty problem. Why are we talking about it, It, right? But I think the question a lot of us had today, at least in the locker room, was you've got a penalty problem. You had one last season. So what are you doing to fix it? So I know, Jess, you went and sort of deep dived into this, and I was able to talk to an offensive player sort of off the record. I just kind of wanted a sense of, is it as simple as focus? And I was told it is. It is as simple as focus because when you look at the Minnesota game, for instance, uh, they only had six penalties in that one. Their least penalized game was the four penalties for 20 yards against the commanders. But I was told it is as simple as focus. But there was also a couple of other things that were brought up. You know, Dak obviously didn't have – the preseason, he had the injury, and it sounds like sometimes. And I don't know if it's an enunciation issue because Aisha and I were we were walking in here, they didn't seem like they were having the problems with Cooper. So why is it Dak? And it sounds like sometimes when the words are coming out of Dak's mouth, some of the younger guys are hearing different things, hmm. and I thought that was sort of fascinating. So they are working on a, the cadence work this week. But I even joked, okay, well, in Minnesota, you guys were on a silent count. And I said to Zeke, well, hey, if the silent count worked on the road, why not do it at home? He said, Jane, you're trying to reinvent football here. (laughs) But he walks back up to me in the locker room. He said, hey, I understand your logic there. And it's actually not a terrible idea. Go talk to to Dak about it. So I asked Dak about it. He said, yeah, I mean, most teams, and if you're not familiar, they don't have a silent count at home because most of the time your home crowd Knows when the offense is on the field and (laughs) they keep their mouths shut. Um, But Arizona, for instance, does it when they've got certain games that favor a louder crowd. And so there are teams that do it at home. Uh, In talking to Dak, he understood the question, but he said, ultimately, other teams can exploit you. And I don't know if you saw this issue when you're looking at the tape. It felt like the Giants. You know, we talk about how the Cowboys self-scout a lot. They try and check out what some of their tells are. The Giants seem to know that there are a couple of guys they could really take advantage of in that game on Thanksgiving. Were you seeing any
2: of that? On the offensive line, yeah, they – Uh, They definitely saw some favorable matchups predominantly with uh, Thibodeau and your left tackle, Tyler Smith. And they were doing a lot of stuff, stunning and things like that, just trying to get him off his keys and communication. But then also Dak Prescott, he did a lot of um, directing at the line of scrimmage. There was a lot of changing out of plays. It sounds like there were some dummy calls. And I wonder if that played into some of the miscommunication as well also too on a short week not having practice so you're coming into there and maybe guys maybe things aren't 100% organized and he's checking out a place trying to get them into the right play first time seeing Winks defense this year i mean there's a lot of factors that i thought played into some of the communication stuff so hopefully they clean it up moving forward
3: yeah and i know we've talked a lot about you know the Dax injury and you know this being his week 6 or whatever number we're on when it comes to when he comes in but I think it just goes back to giving these younger guys some grace. You know, I don't know that regardless of if you're six games in or 12 games in or whatever it is, that that stuff is going to be clicking the way you want it to click. When you think about the offensive line, who the Cowboys have typically had on the offensive line, it's been mostly a veteran presence. Mm -hmm. And so then you come in this season, and now it's guys who are playing in new positions all over the place. They're shifting. That kind of stuff, that chemistry takes time. Then you factor in a Dak Prescott injury. Now you're learning a new position with a rookie offensive line with a new play caller. Then you get your play caller back. And those guys had just gotten used to what Cooper's cadence was or how Cooper ran the offense. And now we got to retrain ourselves. So I just kind of like to think of it as like, you know, kudos to them. Like they have done so much learning throughout it. And it's not going to be perfect. It's hard because... They were so poor with penalties last year as well that it's kind of like, oh gosh, here we go again, just a reoccurring theme. But where I feel a little bit more comfortable, and we spoke a little bit about it yesterday, was just the up and downness of it, at least unlike last year. You know, like there is some consistency where you're seeing the Commanders game, the Vikings game, where it can be there. Now it's just a matter of going in, playing that tough December football that we talk about, and really putting the pieces together now.
4: Yeah, and so the vibe I got out of the locker room today, I talked to both Terrence Steele and Tyler Smith, the two most penalized guys on your O-line, much less on your team right now. So Tyler Smith currently has six offensive holding penalties, four false start penalties. Terrence Steele has four false start penalties, one offensive holding penalty. Was waiting at their lockers to talk to both of them. Basically, what it comes down to is a mental focus... Situation And um, what both of them really spoke about was coaches have emphasized this since day one coming off of last year. So it's not a lack of emph- uh, emphasizing anything. Um, something I thought was very interesting when I talked to Tyler Smith, I asked him, are you still kind of adjusting to being in the NFL? Because giving him grace, he is a rookie. Is it very different from you from what you were used to in college? And he said, yeah, in college, we went off of a clap. We didn't even have a cadence. Mm-hmm. And so he said um, that overall, though, it can be a real way weapon for the the team if they use the cadence correctly he said but for me it's been very different um, adjusting to that pre-snap process because it is still new for him essentially he said though that when it comes to self-scouting he looks back at the same tendencies that he does in all of every penalty that's on film for him Um, he looks at movements and Specific body movements, uh, whether it be an arm or a leg. He said there was a lot of that. Um, He said that coaching staff, again, put an emphasis on this since the beginning. Terrence Steele, when I talked to him, he said that uh, I said, So have you really locked in on penalties more after Thanksgiving, or has it been something since the beginning? He said that it comes down to over communicating, whether that be with DAC making adjustments or when they're going up to the line, they need to over communicate with every single step of the way um, just to make sure that they're on the same page he said that uh, when it comes to self-scouting the coaches have emphasized this over and over and over again however he said it is on them to communicate he said coaching is is what it is at this point it is up to us to over-communicate. So really, it comes down to mental focus and over-communication is what they're boiling it down to, it sounds like, for both Tyler Smith and Terrence,
1: Yeah, It sounds like when I was talking to guys in the locker room, they took exception with the issue, because typically when you see a team like this, you say, well, they're not really that disciplined. And they kept going back to the focus. In other words, they were taking accountability for, look, a lot of this is on us. And I said, all right, so what are you guys doing about it? Now, this is what I thought was interesting, that not until this week, that if you If you have a penalty, you're out of the play. So if you create a penalty, they're pulling you out. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was interesting. So that's something new. And apparently that originated with the leadership council. Look for Clarence Hill to be running an article on that. We were standing there and talking to some folks about that. So that that was a suggestion from the team itself. Like, okay, there's being accountable. And then there's no one wants to get pulled out of a play, the Mm -hmm. next play, right? The other thing is getting called out in the big board. No one wants to have their name getting... I don't know about you guys. I don't love when I get called out in front of my bosses or my teammates at NFL Network. It's never fun, right? I don't know why they haven't done this sooner.
3: I was actually going to say that because, I mean, as someone who played collegiate soccer, my favorite story always to tell when it comes to this, we were playing against Old Dominion. It was like the third to last game. I was notorious for coming into games and I would score really fast. If I didn't score in like the first 15 minutes, it pretty much wasn't going to happen. I don't know why. That's just who I was. But on this particular play, we were—it was a set piece, and Old Dominion was attacking. I was lazy on defense. I will admit that 100. percent I hated playing defense. Look at that, accountability, it's just not my accountability <laughs> right? And my girl, who I was supposed to be marking, almost scored. Our goalkeeper came up with a phenomenal save, and almost immediately, my head coach pulled the sub. She was standing on the 50 or the halfway line, getting ready to come in next dead ball. And so I'm thinking, you know. Hand. I got to do something. That right there, immediately, I went and I scored. And then he said, go sit down. So I, that's something that I've actually always wondered why in football you don't see that much more often, especially with this team when that's been a recurring theme. Like Threaten them. <laughs> I promise you it worked. I mean, I guess you could
1: argue early in the season when we I have looked the film at some that. of the injury bugs, you could only... True. so many guys on certain True. plays. I mean, so I mm-hmm. guess you could argue, and maybe I'll ask Mike McCarthy about that tomorrow because I think all of us, I mean, we and again, it, this was never a knock on you, Jess. It was like, yeah, of course penalties are an issue. It's sort of a theme with yeah. the yeah. but now <laughs> it is kind of rearing its head when you look at how close this division is. And, you know, even talking to the guys in the locker room, the frustrating thing about these penalties is it starts to to negate what you can do with your playbook. In other words, what you would typically do on that third down, when it's third and long, yeah. you're having to make a decision, Kellen and Dak, that they'd otherwise not have made. Mm-hmm. And so you're forcing them into certain plays that they'd rather not. And so that's why it's an issue, particularly when you start playing really, really good teams. I mean, the Colts, and we'll get into them, 4-7-1 and one is their record this year, that's not the teams we're talking about in no. December, and that's not the teams that we're talking about uh, in the playoffs. But it's something that they've absolutely got to fix, and they've got to turn around. I think, in fact, they're averaging, what, roughly seven and a half uh, penalties a game? Uh, that's a problem.
2: Yeah. a lot. And when you, when you mention, like, threatening
1: <laughs> <laughs> I meant
3: that I, in the nicest I, way absolutely. possible.
2: Absolutely. No, I—, I <laughs> to this point, I think, again, you also have a lot of young guys that you're fielding on this team as well. Maybe you don't want to shake their confidence. Now you're at this this point in the season where it's like, you have playing time right now, but you need to know that this is going to be, you know, this you're going to be in trouble if you do something wrong because you can't do that stuff in the playoffs. So I wonder if it was like a... Okay, let me let me see A if warning. you can do it. Yeah, yeah, like your parents, like, let me see if you're gonna do right on your own. Oh, first. you're not,
3: Say less. Okay. <laughs> and
2: so maybe that's the response too, because you don't want to diminish these young guys that are on the fields, you know, um, confidence, but then also Mike McCarthy talked about the aggressiveness that he still wants the team to play with, and maybe that's why they've, you know, not taken that approach. I like it, though, because it's it's, it's about that
4: time of year. You know what's interesting, too, is um, I love this website that Chris sent me. I'm telling y'all, as the penalty queen that I have just officially <laughs> taken that stance, I love this website. What's interesting is you look at um, all of the penalties against the Cowboys. So you have false starts so far this season. They have 16 false start penalties. A league average for that is a little over twelve. You go down offensive holding, fifteen offensive holding calls so far this season for the Cowboys. League average again, a little over twelve. Unnecessary roughness, seven against the Cowboys. A little over three is the See, league that, average. I love that context
1: because that's giving people a sense of we can talk yeah. about the penalties, but let's talk about in correlation with other teams because other teams are committing penalties week in and week out. Right.
2: Absolutely. I it's think again, so, it just goes back. Yeah. The
1: reason why it's an issue is. When we talk about this stagnant offense and why at times they're, they're not able to get the ball moving, it's hard to get the ball moving when you're shooting yourself in the foot. And I think a lot of these guys have talked about this week. Um, I'll wrap up this conversation before we go to our first break by saying the one thing that really stood out to me uh, was a conversation we had with Dak in the locker room today about we've talked about culture and accountability. But he says that he's really opened this up. He wants the young guys to know that obviously there's a way to do it, right? But he wants to be, just like Micah told us a couple of weeks ago, when he's done something wrong, he wants them to know that they can come to him and say that mm-hmm. and vice versa. And he talks about the conversations that he's having, you know, why this team – because I talked to him about this team being special and why is that – is this why the penalties are particularly frustrating? Because you guys do have something special, but some of these things could be a real killer in the, in the postseason. And he says it is special because the conversations he has – with the defensive coaches, something that he can't really remember in years past, the Dan Quinns, having Joe Witt pick his brain, Aiden Dirty, the defensive line coach. And so I love the fact that both sides of the ball are communicating because that doesn't always happen. You don't way. have time in a week if you yeah. think about it. You really don't. And so I get the sense that as a team collectively, they're looking to turn the corner, but at least there is this accountability. There's this open communication. It's the – we saw it uh, had – what was that one game where they – Laided Egg Packers, they all said, I want to be accountable. Tell me when I'm doing something wrong. Some of them prefer it when you tell them they're wrong. And then they put up the performance that they did against Minnesota. All right, let's get it to our first break. On the other side of this one, we'll give you some injury updates. We had two players missing from practice as that injury bug continues to move through the locker room. And we've got Lara Overton, the Indianapolis Colts team reporter, to tell us what we can expect on Sunday night. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the official dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys.
0: All right, Pepsi-loving football fans, it's time we had a lesson in trash talk. And I'm not talking about that stuff that happens on the field. What I'm talking about is trash, and it's the only thing that belongs in your garbage can. Now, recycling might not be as thrilling as converting a fourth and long, but next time you're thinking about throwing that Pepsi Zero Sugar bottle away, just cap it back up and pretend you're down by six with a recycling bin wide open. (sighs) Know the difference? Make a difference. Be a team player and recycle. Visit pepsitrashtalk.com to learn more.
1: Welcome back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the official dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. I love having smart women on the show to talk football, and one of them is joining us right now. It is Lara Overton of the Indianapolis Colts. But first, before we get to you, the
4: way we keep this show on the air is we've got live reads. <laughs> yes. You know what? Tis the season for Dallas Cowboys Holiday Youth Camps presented by Invisalign. Registration for one-day football dance in. And- Dance and Football Academy camps are now open. Don't miss your chance to send your little athlete to camp at AT AT&T Stadium on December 20th and 21st. Register today at DallasCowboys.com slash Academy. There we go. Lara, I was just so
1: excited to get you on. (laughs) We just blew right past these live reads. Thank you so much for joining us. I know it's a short week for you guys. You had Monday Night Football. Now it's Sunday Night Football for your 4-7-1 at Colts. What was the mood in the locker room this week after that inexplicable final drive where Jeff Saturday had three timeouts and neither here or Matt Ryan saw fit to use it against the Steelers?
6: Yeah, it was an all too familiar feeling, unfortunately, for the Indianapolis Colts this season because – you have had not necessarily the same situation being that, you know, you, you had that time management, the clock management issues, but just the sense that you lost or you had winnable games slip away from you in the waning moment. You had it against Philadelphia. You mm-hmm. had it against Washington. The Colts have now lost three home games in a row. And this is a very tough pill for them to swallow, but it has been characteristic of their entire season they've gotten off to slow start they've not taken care of the football they've failed to capitalize in the red zone it's really the same issues that have just unfolded a little bit differently in fourth quarters in so many situations so far this season for Indianapolis and you've had so many changes right you saw them Bench Matt Ryan, he of course suffered the shoulder injury, but then he had that two games that he sat behind Sam Ellinger. You had the departure of offensive coordinator Marcus Brady, and then of course, moving on from Frank Reich, bringing in Jeff Saturday, and then Matt Ryan is starting once again. So, despite all of the changes that you've attempted to make to find different results or to find offensive production or continuity, whatever it happens to be, the Colts have just not been able to establish that, and it has been disappointing. This is a team that uh, many people had expected would be atop the AFC South and finally able to overcome the Tennessee Titans, who have dominated this division in recent years, and that has been something that has loomed over Indianapolis since 2014.
1: I got to be honest, I keep waiting for uh, old takes exposed because I can't tell you how many times I went on Good Morning Football. I was like, man, Frank Reich and Matt Ryan are going to make waves up there yeah. in Indianapolis. Uh, and and you've got Jonathan
6: Taylor. Right. I mean, there are all of these things that it, it looked so promising. And that was one thing that I go back to. We heard – Frank discussed earlier in the season when things were unraveling a bit with their quarterback situation, uh, you know, coming off of the the Tennessee game um, and Frank said that we didn't deliver Matt all the things that we promised him when they delivered this pitch in the spring about all of the things he was going to have, the situation he was going to walk into, top tier protection, a top rushing attack, all of those things. And those, Weren't there? So those have been puzzling issues surrounding the organization since week one.
2: Lara, um, so I wanted to ask you about the defense since you're talking about the camaraderie in the locker room. How do you think the defense is holding up with the lack of offensive um, production, especially with them ranking 11th against the run, fifth against the pass? Against the pass, it's that defense has some playmakers on it. And they can be stingy in the back end. How are they holding up with? being on the field so much, and how how do you think that they're responding to what's happening with the offense right now?
6: This is a top-tier defense. You rattled off the stats that are there, the playmakers that they have, DeForest Buckner, Yannick Ngakwe, Grover Stewart, Zaire Franklin has led the league and tackled for the majority of the season. Then you have Stephon Gilmore, guys like that on the back end. As great as they have been on the field, they are that good in the locker room. For all that this team has endured this season, there has been no finger pointing there has never been a it's on this side it's on this side it's not been hey the defense is doing everything possible weekend no it's been nothing of that they've all said in the games that have gotten away from them hey what could we have done better and you do look to recent occasions hey they could have been a lot better early against the pittsburgh steelers with a rookie quarterback there were some inexcusable plays that they gave up and they said that they were forthcoming about that you look at the the Uh, finish of the Washington game, the finish of the Eagles game. You know, that defense has said time and time and again, we want to be on the field last. We want the opportunity to close out games. And you have had situations where they've certainly done that for you. They did it against the Kansas City Chiefs. They did it against the Broncos. There are a number of games where this defense has won games for you. But in recent games, recent situations, The offense has not given you enough, and the defense has been put in so many situations where they are just strained endurance-wise, these long drives that they've had to sustain. And then also, on the flip side, the offense has not been able to sustain drives well. Look at how many three and outs they had against Pittsburgh. This defense is not getting a break, but you have never heard guys complain about that or point to that as that being an excuse or why they've lost games in the fashion that they have so it it gives so much credit to the guys and not just in terms of no blame no finger pointing also guys being willing to take tough questions in the locker room I mean you guys know going into a locker room and having to talk to players after tough losses it's one of the worst parts of the job right because you like the guys, you form these relationships, and you're like, man, you know, I've done all of this work to be sure that I have the respect and the rapport with the guys in the locker room. The last thing I want to do is have to go in here and press them for answers when it's the last thing that they want to talk about is this loss. Every time we've stepped in that locker room, the guys have not been more professional about answering all of the questions and, you know, addressing the issues that there are, they have not shied away from those things. So I will say through all the adversity that there has been this season, the guys have been complete and consummate professional.
3: Clara, it's Haley. Um, I saw you had a one-on-one with Jeff Saturday. I'm sure you've had a chance to really get to know him as a person. But just to put it bluntly, I mean, how – over his head do you think he is or does he feel that way? How is you talked about, you know, the relationships in the locker room and how professional the guys have been on that front, but from a head coaching experience, what has that been like having him step in for Frank Wright?
6: Interestingly, I have gotten to know Jeff over several years and I covered the Indianapolis Colts prior to becoming the team reporter and going in-house in twenty nineteen. And when I first got on the job, one of the projects we worked on was we traveled to Decula, Georgia, where Jeff Saturday was coaching high school football mm-hmm. and did a story on Jeff. And it's a part of a series called Colts Forever, where we would go and catch up with Colts alumni and what they're doing now with their lives and do all those things. So I had a a full immersion into what Jeff was like as a coach at that level. really mm-hmm. a whole lot different as a head coach. but. That really really was the foundation of you know our rapport and forming that relationship with him. then of course, Jeff comes back all the time it's been well documented that he was working as a consultant with the team, obviously he's been around coming back to games, doing appearances. He was here in training camp for a couple of days, so every single time I catch up with Jeff, you know we we chat and you know we talk football, we talk family, all of those things. So when Jeff came in, it was an easy transition for me because we did have that working relationship. And, you know, I I mean, you guys see Jeff enough on television to know just how dang likable he is and how authentic he is and how knowledgeable he is. I wouldn't say that he's necessarily in over his head because of the amount of time he's spent within the NFL, within this organization, and then also assessing the NFL from the point of an analyst. One of the things I think Jeff has done so well with, is delegating to the guys around him and identifying the strengths within his staff and how he can utilize those guys and get them to put the team in the best position as possible uh in the position that he is in with limited time remaining on the season, so that's one thing that you know Jeff didn't come in and try to revamp the playbook or he's not trying to call the plays he's looking to parks Fraser, hey. Parks knows the playbook as well as anyone. He's worked with the quarterbacks as much as anyone. Parks is going to call the plays. He's the best person you know, to be able to do that. Okay, delegating to Scottie Montgomery with the run game, delegating to Scott Milanovich in terms of coordinating with Matt Ryan. So I actually think that Jeff is very aware of the things that he doesn't have the proficiency in doing and finding the strength within his staff to do those things. So I know, obviously, a lot of people are pointing to the clock management situation. And he admitted, and that's one of the things, Jeff is incredibly transparent. And when he has something that, you know, he makes a mistake or there's something that he would have done differently, he's the first to admit it. And that's exactly what he did when he came in on Tuesday. Yeah, would have liked to have that that one back. So I think people can point to, okay, that situation was certainly one where maybe his Uh, lack of NFL head coaching experience showed to some degree, but also I'm a little bit surprised that no one else identified it either. Certainly Jeff takes the fall for that and shoulders that as being the interim head coach. But yeah, I mean, Matt Ryan or, or Park Frazier or any of the other assistants maybe, you know, could have helped urge that along. So it's something that it's something that certainly you look to and you grow from. And it's something that, um, you know, Jeff will build on moving forward. But I also think, you never should have been in that position in the first place. I mean, Jonathan Taylor fumbled on the five-yard line. You could have easily been up two scores in that game, so it really you should never have come down to needing to call uh, a timeout within 60 seconds.
4: Hey, Lara, this is uh, Jess. Now, speaking of playing up on your strengths, I've been really keying on uh, Jelani Woods uh, just as being a core part of the Colts offense. Can you talk about what makes him a unique opponent considering his size for a tight end? His his size, exactly. As you mentioned, I actually just talked with Mo Alley-Cox today, who's now the
6: most veteran tight end in that room with the retirement this offseason to Jack Doyle. And Mo's joking that Jelani even makes him look small. And Mo Alley-Cox is a guy who played college basketball at VCU, who was an absolute monster on the board. But certainly it's, it's Jelani's frame, his size, all of that for one. He also it has sneaky speed for a guy of his size and his length. One of the other interesting factors to account for with Jelani Woods is he is a former quarterback. He started his collegiate career playing quarterback and converted to tight end. And in learning about Jelani and getting to to know Jelani, he sees that as such a strength because he still sees the game and sees the plays as a quarterback. So that allows him to really have greater communication and just being on in terms of nonverbal communication, knowing what Matt Ryan might be looking for. Not that he has played, of course, quarterback to the level that Matt Ryan has, but that's how he learned the game of football to have the vision as a quarterback. And then he's adapted to being a tight end and now being more of someone who is not just you know a playmaking ball catching tight end, but also an asset in the blocking game, in the blocking scheme. So I do think that Jelani is is not only just an incredible athlete and has freakish ability and talent. He also is just an incredibly smart football player. And one thing that has been so fascinating to witness Jelani from the time he got in the building in May as a draft pick, um, he has just consistently improved. He was honestly probably third on the depth chart among the tight ends in camp behind the fellow rookie Drew Ogletree. Drew Ogletree came in and was equally utilized to Mo Ali Cox. And Drew got hurt during the preseason in in practice one day and Jelani said that watching where Drew was and how quickly Drew was impacting this offense motivated him to figure out what he needed to do differently to have a more significant impact and be more immediately utilized within this offense. So I commend him so much for having a bit of adversity as a rookie in terms of adapting his game and then looking to the guys around him and looking to how they could challenge him to only improve and get better. And it was, you know, it's a big learning curve at that level. And Jelani, I mean, was, I mean, he was one of those who was catching game winning touchdowns week three it is just when you look at where he was preseason week one to week one of this season it was just miraculous growth from him and he's just continued to build on it as you saw last week being targeted in the situations that he was
1: i love that if you're looking to stack your fantasy roster you want to know about (laughs) the opponent lara's literally got all the news and notes and that is why i want to ask you about matt ryan because like i said i was bullish on matt ryan I thought he had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder after deshaun watson sweepstakes Obviously, the Falcons granted him uh, the move to Indy. When you look at this game against the Steelers, and you've obviously been around this team a lot more, what do you make of Matt Ryan? Because they didn't complete a pass until, I think, almost seven minutes into the second uh, what, second quarter. He's been sacked 29 times this season. And now, by the way, they're going up against a team that even Micah Parsons oh. talked about uh, today. Teams don't want to throw the ball against the Cowboys because of the pass rush. Uh, when you're looking at the fact the Cowboys got 45 sacks this season, three players with five sacks or more, are they going to keep the ball on the ground and rely on mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor? Or are they going to, what kind of weapons does Matt Ryan have? Or can Matt Ryan and this offensive line be trusted with their passing game this year?
6: It's a fantastic question, and that is something that you knew when Matt Ryan came in as a 37-year-old quarterback. You needed to be able to reinforce your offense with top-tier production, and you have the highest-paid offensive line in the NFL for a reason. So you have Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith as your pillars, but the Colts have just struggled to solidify those other positions to the point now where you have – a rookie left tackle in Bernard Ryman, who I do think is going to be a very good player in this league, but he's coming off of playing at central Michigan. This is a big leap from playing, you know, at, at central Michigan to going into starting as a rookie in the NFL and going up against the type of defense defensive front that Dallas is going to boast. And then you have Will Fries on the other side playing alongside Brains. Will is just, a second year guy you're talking about a second year guy who's playing on the right side of this line so it is a bit of baptism by fire for some of the guys on the defensive front for sure and the task is only continuing to grow I think we have seen improvement in certain situations but they've had to work through it as the season goes on and that is Not what you want to do. I mean, when you look back to the Patriots game and it wasn't Matt Ryan at that point, it was Sam Ellinger who got sacked nine times and they were rotating guys in and out of the offensive line at that point. So this particular front five on that offensive line has not been together for a whole lot of time so far this season. You certainly would have expected to have gotten more production from your run game than you have so far this season. And we have seen JT break off some of those signature runs, but for much of the season, JT has not looked like 2021 form Jonathan Taylor. He has been limited with the ankle injury. He's been battling some different things. You haven't had that depth on the offensive line that you have in the past. And so I do think that has forced the Colts to try to get more creative in the passing game. And Matt Ryan is, still battling through that shoulder injury, which he had, which he endured in the game uh, against Tennessee. So I'm curious exactly at what health percentage Matt Ryan feels right now. What you're going to have to do in the passing game is your biggest threat in terms of guys who are going to make those explosive plays and be the difficult matchups. Michael Pittman Jr. Is that guy. And then Paris Campbell is going to be your speed guy, to utilize as well. Each of those guys have had big moments thus far. I love Alec Pierce, the rookie who has been explosive. He had an incredible game at home against Jacksonville. But I think teams are starting to figure out a bit of Alec Pierce and where he's going to be challenged to continue developing his game. And I think it's been difficult, too, for a guy like Alec to have part of the season, you start with Matt Ryan and then you go to Sam Ellinger and now you're back to Matt Ryan. Whereas, hey, the rest of the receivers on this Indianapolis Colts team are like, oh, new quarterback, new week? Sure. We're used to that. We've been here for a couple of years. This is every year for us. We're starting with a, a new guy under center. So I do think that your biggest threats are going to be certainly guys like Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman Jr. in the passing game. I also do love how they've utilized Jelani Woods of late, but it all starts on the ground the Colts have to do a better job of establishing Jonathan Taylor early on in football games because you do not want to have to force uh, Matt to sling it as much as he has had to do in certain situations in particular looking to that Jacksonville game at home certainly not the game at Jacksonville that's certainly one to forget for the Indianapolis Colts but the game at home against the Jaguars uh, you, you're going to have to have a more balanced attack offensively and so that's a huge pass for parks frazier a young play caller you know getting those opportunities to do exactly that
1: well thank you so much lara i really really appreciate all the wealth of information i love when i get the team reporters on here because we only get so much time like the players to scout the opponent during the week so i love when i get someone like you on here because i'm on the nfl network tomorrow and you've given me some food for thought as i was writing down notes (laughs) about what i should talk about so i appreciate you so much lara and uh Safe travels, and I'll see you on the sidelines on Sunday.
6: Thanks for having me on, girls. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. Of course. Bye. You're the best. Bye.
1: Sunday. I got to tell you, listening to her talk about the left tackle from yeah. Central Michigan, and I'm sitting <laughs> oh, there going, oh, well, the Cowboys have got <laughs> a starting left tackle <laughs> from it? Tulsa yep. in Tyler Smith. Yeah. And then on the right side, talking about a second-year guy, I'm like, well, the Cowboys have Terrence Still. It yep. sort of makes you appreciate Not only your (laughs) offensive line, but your quarterback, when you think about Matt Ryan and what he was supposed to do. Uh, Talking about appreciating, uh, we appreciate Michael Gallup around here, but he ended up on the entry report, didn't he, this week? He did, yes. We did get our injury report. We'll start with the Cowboys. Uh, Michael Gallup,
3: Trayvon Diggs were not practicing today because of that illness. Um, I know that Jerry and Mike have both spoken this week about they think most of it is cleared up, so hopefully this is the last little bit. The good news is they're the only two on there with that illness, so that's positive. Elsewhere, um, J. Ron Curse was limited today for shoulder. Mike kind of told us that earlier. Anthony Barr was limited with the hamstring. I will say about Anthony Barr, though— I saw him working um, with Britt, and he looks much more positive. It, it, it feels like he feels ready, so that's a good news there. Uh, Tank is listed with his foot injury, but as we learned last week, he has a laundry list of things wrong with him. He was limited. Um, as far as the Colts go, they had three guys who did not pass practice, one of which was Jelani Woods. He's got a shoulder quad injury, so he did not practice today. Um, gosh, I'm going to butcher this man's name. <laughs> Kiki Kuti? Kuti? Quitty pay. <laughs> no, not Quiddy. Quiddy no. is quitty was full. Uh, this is a wide receiver i'm gonna we'll we'll brush up on this, but uh, he was sick as well, so it kind of sounds like they have a bug going through to a couple guys who are sick. Um, a couple guys who are limited. so shorter shorter injury list. Kiki QT. QT. Q-t. I got to see it. I know. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> You're all good. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take our third and final break. And let's have a little bit of fun uh, covering this team uh, during the span of my reporting career. Titans haven't really stood out around here. They've wanted a strong tight end room. We remember Jason Witten coming out of retirement and sort of slowing down the development of guys like Dalton Schultz and uh, Blake Jarwin when he was here. We remember Gavin Escobar. But now we've got four whack-a-moles who have had an assortment of nicknames. Uh, Zeke gave me a fun one on our post game on NFL Network. So I sort of drilled that down. And then you had an awesome conversation uh, with Mr. Uh, Peyton Hendershot as well this week. So we will deep dive the importance of those tight ends and their personalities on the other side of this break. This is Girls Talk Boys Talk brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the official dating partner of the Dallas
5: Cowboys.
1: Angel Food Slim,
0: blended without added sugar. Smoothie King, rule the day.
1: Amanda, Girls Talk, Boys Talk, brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the official dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. But less I forget, let's go to Jess.
4: <laughs> let's talk all things Dan Quinn. Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn's longtime support of service members, veterans, and their families demonstrates the salute to service tenants who honor, empower, and connect with those that are preserve our freedoms the cowboys are proud to nominate coach quinn as our 2022 nfl salute to service award club nominee join us in making sure he becomes a finalist for this prestigious award by voting at nfl.com salute fan vote go vote
1: Thank you, Jess. Well, I am having fun watching uh, this group of titans this year. I uh, thought you were just gonna say I am having. fun. I'm just having so. <laughs> I- I'm having fun on the show today too, ladies. Uh, it's easier after a win and after a four day break yeah. uh, for Thanksgiving. <laughs> so yes, I'm fresh. Uh, hopefully the guys are, too, when they play Sunday Night Football. It is actually a pretty good stretch if you think about. Yeah, It felt like that Giants game was forever ago. Uh, but one of the fun moments in that game was obviously watching Dalton Schultz haul in two Titans, watching the play of the Titans as a group, and then the Whack-A-Mole celebration and the Salvation Army uh, kettle. And being around here and covering this team, and we've even when Mike McCarthy came here, he talked so much about wanting to utilize the tight end group and how that opens up the rest of the playbook. And, you know, just in the past, and this is not a knock on Jason Witten, I think there was a great reverence given to him because of his time and years of service in Dallas, but I remember the locker room being very split when he decided to come out of retirement, leave the booth at ESPN and come back because it felt like it slowed down the development of guys like Blake Jarwin at the time who was popping over Dalton Schultz. And then, of course, you had Dalton Schultz. And then the Cowboys showed you, how important they felt that that tight end position was when they decided to use a very costly franchise tag on Dalton. In Dalton's absence because of injury, all of a sudden we get Peyton Henderson and Jake Ferguson. And Haley and I kind of light up when we talk about either one of them because I love when you get the young guys in here. They're not jaded by us in the media yet. They enjoy (laughs) opening up and sharing stories. Uh, But I had to laugh when post-game I'm talking to Ezekiel Elliott about – the Titans, and he said, oh, dumb and dumber, and Mary-Kate Nashley. Mary-Kate Nashley. He said that pregame, Same too, <laughs> right? And so, yeah, we could talk about the fact that, you know, they had the tight play. They had four tight ends on one play and a running back. That's exciting. Each one of them played in 23 snaps of the game against the Giants. You had uh, four tight ends on seven plays this season, according to my buddy Ed Warder. Three touchdowns out of that grouping. But I don't care about that. I wanted to know who Mary-Kate and who was Ashley, and who was dumb, and who was dumber. So I did a little investigative work uh, and caught up with old Peyton Hendershot in the locker room today. Jazz, we got, the, we got the sound on that? Yes, we do. Post-game on NFL Network, I asked Ezekiel Elliott about the tight ends, yeah. and he mentioned your nicknames. Yeah. Mary-Kate and Ashley and Dumb and Dumber. <laughs>
6: Yes, and
1: your thoughts on this nickname? Um, which one, listen, First of all, who's Mary Kate? I and who's just, Ashley? I
3: just asked when my cousin. Hit me up. My, my cousin asked a girl. She's like, "What's are you? I was like, he hadn't even told us which one we were. I had just asked Zeke in the, the hallway. He didn't even tell us which one we were.
1: So you don't know if you're Dumb and nah, Dumber. You I don't, don't know, know what, if you're Mary I, Kate or Ashley. I, yeah, I don't
3: know. We just both of them, I guess, as an out. But Dumb and Dumber and Mary Kate and I'm Ashley. So oh,
1: what does Linda call you, or uh, uh he
3: called? Dove calls me the villain. He called he called Fur Wambleam, he called uh, Seth Bambi, Sean, Dawn uh, Don or and Dawn just dog. <laughs>
1: on a game like that, yeah. national television, Thanksgiving, what did your phone look like afterwards, oh. particularly after the celebration?
5: Yeah, I mean, I,
3: can't, I didn't even respond to everybody for a couple of days or so many texts, but it was just awesome, you know, because I know like my whole life, my whole family, we all grew up together, so I knew my whole family was in there watching the video. There was a crazy video of all of them going crazy, so it was awesome.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay, Ann. All right, so <laughs> since they didn't get any answers, I went up to Ezekiel Elliott and I said, all right, bud, like help me out here. Honey, he went through this interesting story. You'll, do we have the Zeke sound too, Jazz? Yep. Zeke literally lit up to tell me the story, and I still don't know if I made sense of it.
5: <laughs> so, Peyton got a huddle in the first New York game, and we're in four-minute office. We run the first two times. If we get a first down, the game's over. We run, we're going to run a naked. We tell him in a huddle, whatever you do, do not go out of bounds. Yeah, we do by not go out of bounds. We run it naked. Throw it to Ferg on the sideline. All he was worried about trying to get a hurdle like Henny and jumps up in the air and they throw him out a bounce. And so
1: that's why they're dumb and dumber? Yeah. <laughs> but Mary Kate Nashley, where's that come from? Oh, I
4: don't know.
1: Is- <laughs> <laughs> so when I grabbed, I saw Jake Ferguson walking out and I asked him, and he just said, I'm dumbest. So that just gives you a sense of just sort of the fun that they're having in the locker room. Uh Real quick, I know we need to wrap up the show, but Haley, you've got an awesome interview with Peyton. What was some of your insight? So I actually met Jake and Peyton earlier this summer. I
3: did a galvanized camp with Laura Oakman, and I did it here with the Cowboys, so I kind of had a a pre getting to know them. And, and even in that, uh, they were two of the rookies who were already very outspoken, both about personal stuff and just about football. So they had kind of already been on my radar. I've spent a lot of time chatting with them this season, too. But uh, I can't on Peyton particularly because, you know, I was a walk on in college as well. So I always relate to people who kind of have to grind to get what's theirs. Um so, I was telling you guys before the show, you know, I'm walking him here through our studio. I walked him past our podcast studio, and he's just like, oh man, this is so cool. This is so cool. And just the humility that he has when it comes to playing. One of the things he told me, and I don't want to ruin too much because the interview's dropping on Saturday, but the thing that stood out to me the most was he spoke about the draft experience. He talked about how he was for sure going to be drafted for the Cowboys. And what they do? They called his boy Jake, and they <laughs> drafted Jake instead. And sure, it's funny now that we laugh about it, but at that moment, he was devastated. He said, this was something that I had worked my whole entire life for. This is something that when people ask you what you want to do when you grow up, this was it. And I was so excited to accomplish that goal. So he said, you know, I was in a dark place after that. And he was shy when he came here because he didn't know anybody, which is so funny to think about now because he's the least shy person in that locker room. So just kind of getting to see that side of him, how he went from playing with the chip on his shoulder to prove a point to now he plays with the chip on his shoulder so that he can be a part of the group. And Contribute at the same level that Jake is doing or Dalton's doing or even Sean Um, So I'm really excited for you guys to see this story. It blew me away with just how personable he was how, how much of a Journey that he's had to get here and the impact that he's making, you know, he's two touchdowns But he talked about for him. It's not so much about getting into the end zone It's about drawing players to him so that his teammates can score touchdowns and you don't really get that a lot in this game so it was a phenomenal conversation he i am his little number one fan so i can't wait for you
1: guys to see that Saturday. you've done such great work since you've been here haley so i look forward yeah, to that so cowboy you. fans check that out and they've got such a fun little corner yeah you know, when the when four you horsemen sort of just, is what yeah, they well say. that's what chris arnold said on the fan is that they call themselves the force the four horsemen they are fun Uh, to watch and keep up with. And who does he remind you of? I feel like there's like a Mac Miller vibe to him a little bit. Oh, Oh, that's
4: actually a really good one. I didn't
2: think about that. To me,
1: Ferg
3: gives me Travis Kelsey to a T. Yeah, Like, Mm -hmm. if Travis Kelsey had a little brother, it's Ferg. I haven't been able to pinpoint who I think Peyton is. Like he's just so hood. Like, I just I have no other way to describe him. And I even told him first time I met him, I'm like, Peyton, you are ghetto. And he's like, Yeah, I know, that's just how I grew up, and that's just who I am. Yeah, he's I'm like, oh, I'm kinda country. Yeah, you're that's not country, is. bro. You are not from Indiana. No, but he, he is. There's a vibe to him.
1: I'm so excited because you know, cowboy fans unfortunately. You see the guys with the helmet and the jersey. You don't get to, it's not like basketball where you sort of feel the personalities yeah, as they're yeah. on the court. Uh, but I think fans are obviously going to have a lot of fun with them because, I mean, we can deep dive in this tomorrow. It's going to make it tough for them to figure out a deal with uh, Dalton Schultz, I think, mm-hmm. given the production. And we haven't even seen enough of Sean McEwen, but he's another one on the roster. Uh, real quick, past interference.
4: All right, past interference. The first time these two franchises met was the Cowboys' inaugural season back in 1960 on October. On October 30th, they actually lost to the then Baltimore Colts at the Cotton Bowl, 45-7. to And it gets worse, guys. The last time these two uh, franchises met was on December 16th, 2018. Their 11th shutdown in Cowboys franchise history, where they lost 0-23. to Ouch. But the good news is, it doesn't look like that will be the case this year. So, ending on a positive note there. When Three of the last again? four. When was it again? Which one? 2018. 2018. 2018. Oh, okay. I can't remember. The Colts were pretty good that year, I was too. I think they won to, two playoffs.
2: I think was I was getting that ready, that ready to deploy or something. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And the Cowboys' defense was, it was pretty good, and people thought they were just going to, it was, that was rough. I remember watching it with my battles. It was the was worst. Was that
1: Matt Eberflus' first year as defensive coordinator, I wonder? That offensive line. just us go good past
2: interview for tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: yeah, yeah we'll go back and we'll do that deep dive. We went over a little bit today, but we had such such fun content. Ladies, thank you for your contributions. Thank you for the fans for sticking with us here on Girls Talk, Boys Talk, brought to you by Jigsaw Dating. We will see you tomorrow. We'll do, like I said, a little bit more of a deep dive on this uh, Colts team. Sounds like the defense is pretty good. What Dak will have to say about that, because, of course, that's when he meets with the media on Thursdays. See you next time.